Good evening. It is good to be here. You guys excited to be here? Yeah? I am so pumped to be here. My name is Chad Holmes, as Josh already said, and I'm really honored to be here. I figured starting off, since I'm new to most of you, I figured it'd be worth you getting to know me a little bit. So uh, here's a photo of my beautiful family. God has blessed me with three amazing women in my life. That's my wife, Val, and our two little daughters. That's Emery Joe and Lavy Lee is the little one. And so um, I'm, I'm very blessed to have them as part of my family. I'm sure Josh would attest to this. Being a dad is the best job in the world, right? Amen to that. It's so fun, right? And I, I love getting to be a girl dad. You know what else I love? I'll just be real. I love fellowship, right? I love fellowship. Can we just give a round of applause? I, I love the fellowship college team. Do you guys love them? I've really loved getting to know Josh these past couple years. Uh, Boomy actually introduced us, if you know Boomy. Yeah, Boomy. And uh, so thankful for that. Getting to know Joanna, Jacob, and Eileen. Y'all have an awesome team. And uh, I just want to give a little backstory because I think this is so cool. Talking about unity between churches of, of the history of fellowship in New Heights. Do you know that like a third of our staff at New Heights at one point was a part of fellowship? And even a large handful of them were on staff with fellowship at one point. Here's another really cool fact. Jim Hall is one of our co-directional leaders at New Heights. 20 years ago, when New Heights was a little baby church, fellowship, Jim was on staff with fellowship at the time, and fellowship paid his salary to help start New Heights and then released him into New Heights. And so, again, just the rich history of unity between these two churches. And then even, I gotta make it personal for myself. I am deeply indebted to fellowship myself. So here's a picture of me as a 14-year-old. So that's, that's 14-year-old little Chad. And uh, the, the shirt, I think it says, yeah, feeding time with a shark. Hot. It's a really cheesy shirt. But, you know, um, that, was, that was what it was back in the day. And, uh, but I didn't grow up knowing Jesus and actually grew up in Fayetteville. And when I was 13, I was invited into a fellowship youth cell group. And that's where I heard the phrase, as a 13-year-old, relationship with Jesus for the first time in my life was because of fellowship. And then I was, I was with a fellowship cell group for three years until switching to a New Heights cell group. And I'll just put it this way. You know, Paul uses this language uh, of planting seeds and watering. Fellowship planted the seeds for me, right? It's just that New Heights then watered them. But ultimately, God brought the growth. And he gets the glory either way. And so I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I love fellowship, I'm deeply indebted to fellowship, because again, they planted the seeds for my faith when I was a teenager. So enough about me. Let's dive into our passage. Uh, we're in Romans 8. That's the series that you guys are going through, which uh, I, I told Josh this when I found out. I was like, man, Romans 5 through 8 is my favorite section of Scripture. And, uh, you know, chapter 8 is like the pinnacle of it. So it's a really cool series that you guys get to do. We're going to be in Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Romans 8 really is all about the life that we now have because of the Holy Spirit that differs from our old life. Romans 8 mentions the Holy Spirit more than any other chapter in the Bible, and our section is no different, mentioning the Holy Spirit multiple times. So let's read this passage together in Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Paul, speaking to the Roman church, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the Spirit to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, sorry, not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
And the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a really beautiful passage in the middle of Romans 8 here. Really, the first question that we should ask from this passage is the age-old question, what's the therefore, therefore, right? You knew that was coming. Uh, So what is the therefore, therefore? What was Paul referencing in the text that was before this? It's what Jacob talked about last week. I'm just gonna mention one little part, Romans 8, 9. Here's the thought where our passage comes from. Paul says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. That means that if you are in Christ, if you are a believer, you're no longer in the realm of the flesh, but you are now in the realm of the spirit. Okay, again, there's this juxtaposition of what life in the spirit is like versus life in the flesh. And if you're in Christ, you're in the spirit. And Jacob, last week, if you weren't here, I'll recap for you. Uh, He said that life in the spirit means three things. Number one, you have a new freedom because of Christ. That spirit inside of you gives you a new freedom. Number two, you have a new lifestyle. Like the way you live your day-to-day life actually changes. And number three, you have a new identity. Who you are is changed forevermore because of the Holy Spirit inside of you when you place your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Right, so that's kind of our starting point. And, and so this week, it's very similar. It, it travels on the same thought of juxtaposing the spirit versus the flesh. But this week's focus is all about the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit. And not on our part, but what the flesh does to us and what the spirit does to us. Okay, so we're gonna look at it through that lens and we're gonna start with the flesh. Here's the biggest thing you need to know about the flesh. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the flesh produces fear. Okay, the flesh produces fear, right? And, and you might be wondering, okay, what is the flesh? That seems very like Halloween-y, you know? Like, uh, it's a weird word to use, the flesh. Um, here's what the flesh is. It's just your sinful nature, right? It's your sinful nature. And ultimately, your sinful nature produces fear. How so? Well, in the passage that we read from Romans 8, Paul gives us three things that the flesh does to produce fear in our lives, So we're gonna go through one by one. The number one way, or the first way that the flesh uh, produces fear in us is that it indebts us. It indebts us. That, That word, when Paul says we're no longer obligated by the flesh, what that word really means is that we're no longer in debt to the flesh, right? We're no longer indebted to the flesh. And the idea of of debt bringing us fear, uh, that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, your student loans, does that bring you some fear? Yeah, what, what if you don't know if you're gonna be able to pay rent at the end of the month? Cause a little bit of fear inside of you? Uh, Paul, Paul talks about being in debt this way in Romans 3, 23. He says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So just as a blanket statement, apart from Christ, we've all sinned so much. Our debt is so huge, we fall completely short of paying anything to God that's worthwhile. So our flesh, our sinful nature, indebts us, like deeply, deeply in debt to where you'll never pay it off, right? And that would produce some fear in us, right? Being in that much debt produces 
fear. The second way the flesh produces fear in us, the second work of the flesh is that the flesh enslaves us. The flesh enslaves us. Our sinful nature bonds us into sin. We're, We're bound by it and shackled by sin in our sinful nature. Paul says this in Romans 7, talking about his sinful nature. He says, I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't even carry it out. Doesn't that sound miserable? Right, like you're so bound by your sinful nature apart from Christ that even when you want to do good, you can't. Can you relate? You ever been there? Right? I remember feeling that way when I was young, when I was in, in early high school and just feeling like, man, I, I try to be good, but it's just not working. That's why Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Your sinful nature enslaves you to a life of fruitlessness and only being able to just live in a constant state of sin, failing to be able to do anything that's actually really worthwhile and good. Ultimately, If we're in our sinful nature, we're not in control. Our desires control us. We don't control our desires. And that's not freeing. That's not fun. That's a a life of fear. No one wants to be controlled. The third work of the flesh and the third way that our flesh draws fear inside of us is that ultimately it destroys us. Our flesh destroys us, right? And anything that destroys us should cause some fear in our life, right? That kind of makes sense. Uh, Again, Paul in Romans earlier says this, Romans 5, verse 12, talking about Adam. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So basically what Paul's saying is, hey, Adam sinned, and because he sinned, he died. And we carried on that heritage by sinning as well, and because we sinned, we now die. And this is both a a metaphorical death and a literal death, that sin brings us a metaphorical death in relationship to God and a a physical death where our bodies actually decay. That's the results of sin. It destroys us. From the inside out, it destroys us. And anything that destroys us should cause some fear to rise inside of us. Right? Like, Like if I get mauled by a bear once, guess what I'm not doing ever again? Going into the woods. Because I'm gonna be terrified of bears from that point. If something can destroy us, we're afraid of it, and our flesh destroys us. So again, let's just summarize this thought. Our flesh produces fear because it indebts us, it enslaves us, and it destroys us. Okay, enough negative talk, right? Let's go to the spirit side of things, right? The flesh is not the fun part. Let's talk about the spirit. What does the spirit do? Because if we're in Christ, that means the spirit of God dwells within us, and we now have a new freedom, a new lifestyle, and a new identity, as Jacob said last week. And so what does the Spirit do in our life apart from our sinful nature? Here's what the Spirit produces, assurance. The Spirit produces assurance in our life, which is the opposite of fear, right? Like we have this assurance because of the Spirit that anchors us. It's the hope that anchors us down when things are difficult. It gives us security in our relationship and identity with God. And in the face of temptation, it's our assurance, our security. So what does this look like? How does the Spirit assure us? What are the works of the Spirit? In the same way, Paul gives us three things in this passage of Romans 8. The first thing 
is that the Spirit destroys our sin. And that's the first work of the Spirit, is that the Spirit destroys our sin. Here's why that's comforting to us. Remember how sin destroys us? I want to be on the side of the one who's destroying the thing that's destroying me. Amen, right? Like, if something is actually destroying me, I want it to be destroyed. But again, in my sinful nature, I'm powerless to destroy my sin. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, to destroy our sin. Paul says, by the power of the Spirit, you can put to death the misdeeds of the body. So by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can live free from sin. Like, you don't actually have to sin because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You can put that sin to death. That's assuring. That's comforting. It no longer has to destroy you the way that it did before. Okay, the, the, uh, Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? When we walk by the Spirit day by day, we're no longer drawn into temptation uh, in the same way that we used to be by sin. Doesn't mean that we won't sin sometimes, but we're no longer enslaved and controlled by it, but actually our spirit is able to put to death those deeds and draw us into a new lifestyle, as Jacob said last week. So the spirit destroys our sin. The second work of the spirit that gives us assurance is that the spirit testifies to our adoption. Okay, the spirit testifies to our adoption. Paul says that it's the spirit of adoption that we've received and that it allows us to cry out, Abba, Father. This really mimics uh, what Paul says in Galatians 4. Galatians and Romans are pretty similar, uh, but Paul says this in Galatians 4. Because you are his sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave in your flesh, but you're God's child. And this is amazing news, right? This is amazing news that you're no longer a slave to your sin, but you've received a spirit of adoption so that you now are a child of God. You're a daughter of the Most High. You're a son of the Most High because of the Holy Spirit in you. And it's the Holy Spirit in you that cries out, Abba, Father. And here, here's what this means. The Spirit inside of you is the one that clarifies your relationship to God. Right? It's the spirit inside of you that is affirming your standing with God, that is realigning your heart with God's heart and saying, hey, hey, child, remember, you're his. He's your daddy, right? Like, he's the one who rescued you, who brought you into his family. You're secure. And if you're a homeless child, you're an orphan child, right? There's fear constantly in your life. But because of the spirit, the spirit inside of us is testifying that he's our dad and that we have a home with him. We have safety with him. That word Abba is a very intimate word, um, really just signifying dad or daddy, right? It's this intimate relationship that we now have with Jesus um, because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And then what's the third work of the Spirit? The third way that the Spirit brings assurance into our life is that the Spirit guarantees our inheritance. Now, Paul says that we become heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. That word heir uh, is kind of a royal term signifying that you're going to inherit the kingdom that is the king's. That's the inheritance, right? Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1. It's a really cool verse. Verse 13 and 14. He says, when you believed in Jesus, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So really what this means is that everything that Jesus has is now ours. And the Holy Spirit is the deposit that guarantees we get to receive it. Right? So that that means on one hand, as Paul said in Romans 8, the suffering that Jesus had, we also suffer too. But the glory that Jesus has, we will get to experience fully when we go to heaven, right? The kingdom that that is Jesus's, we get to inherit. That's why Jesus says uh, that that it's it's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like everything that the kingdom is and in it, God is offering to us through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and we're to receive that. And the Holy Spirit guarantees that we get to partner in that ownership of the kingdom. And that is assuring, right? Knowing that you have a grand inheritance coming, that you got this beautiful kingdom coming where life's gonna be perfect. They've got a room made for you with your name on it in heaven. That's assuring to us, right? It's the opposite of living in fear. So again, in summary, the spirit produces assurance because it destroys our sin, the very thing that destroys us. Right? It testifies to our adoption that we are children of God and it guarantees our inheritance to come in heaven with Jesus and his kingdom. And so you might be thinking, okay, I'm looking at the description of the spirit and I feel like it's not me. I don't feel like I have those things. I don't feel like I really have that assurance. You might be looking at the description of the flesh and be like, I feel like that kind of describes my experience. I feel like I live in a lot of Fear, right? Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, sin isn't destroyed in my life. In fact, sin is destroying me day by day. And you might feel like, I don't feel like God's my dad. I don't feel like he's my father. And ultimately, I feel hopeless. And I have a giant laundry list of sins and mistakes that I've made. I feel controlled by my desires. And I just ultimately, at the end of the day, I feel empty and beaten down. And if that's you in this room, you might not be in the spirit. Right? You might be in the realm of the flesh, if that's you. Because that description is someone who's not in the spirit, but of the flesh. But here's the good thing. You're in the right spot. Let's look at what it takes to go from the flesh to the spirit. Because I think the enemy is really crafty. He convinces you that you can't get from the flesh to the spirit. Right? That you're hopeless. You can't be in Christ. Right? You're, you're too far gone. You're too broken. You're too dirty. Whatever it may be, he's convinced you that you're too far gone. But let's look at how you get from the flesh to the spirit. Paul says this in Romans 8, 15, going back to our original text. It says, the spirit you receive, so he's talking about believers here, but the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So do you notice what's happening here in this text? Paul's speaking to believers here, but what he says for them to go from the realm of the flesh to the spirit was not work hard, do more, show up to church more, do all this stuff more. It was receive Christ. It was receive the spirit of adoption. Right, like all you have to do is receive the adoption. Here's the good news. The adoption for you is already paid for. You just have to receive it. There's nothing else you can do to make yourself be included in the family of God other than simply receiving the fact that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, right? Turning from your flesh towards Jesus and receiving the truth that he is your King and Savior. 
that will bring you into the realm of the Spirit, and the Spirit of God will indwell within you and bring you the assurance that's been missing your whole life. And that fear that has since dominated you before will no longer dominate you like it did in the past. Maybe you're in this room, and you say, Chad, I, I am a believer. I am in the realm of the Spirit, but maybe you're just not living it day by day. Right? As Jason said, you get to college, things kind of shift and, and change, and you, know, you, you come into college with a great expectation of following Jesus in college, and next thing you know, you're surrounded by lots of stuff that's going on, and you, you kind of wake up one day, and you're like, what happened to me? Right? Like, what, what happened to the person I used to be? I used to have this assurance that grounded me, and now I feel like there's some fear creeping up in my life. There's a question that we have to pose based off this passage. And the question is this. Can we be in the realm of the spirit and still live in the flesh? Right? Like, can we be in the realm of the spirit, as Paul says in Romans 8, 9, but still live in our flesh and miss out on what the spirit's doing in our life? The answer to that question is yes. You can do that. That's why Paul is writing a lot of these warnings is so that we don't do that, that we don't miss out on the benefits of salvation in Christ Jesus. I think one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that the benefits of salvation only apply in heaven and that they don't actually apply to you right now. And what he wants to do is convince you that God's gonna make you new in heaven. And since, since the enemy can't take away your salvation, he'll take away the benefits of salvation. He'll convince you that you're still stuck in your sin, that the Spirit has no power in your life, that you're, you're, you're powerless to conquer your sin, and you're just stuck in it all until you die one day or Jesus comes back. But the reality is, Paul says, the Spirit inside of you gives you the ability to live with him day by day, living that godly life, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, living in assurance as a child of God in an intimate relationship with him. Paul uh, says this in, in Romans 8. 13 and 14. He says, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's what we should go for, right? Like, if we can be led by the Spirit, we can put to death the misdeeds of the body that are trying to instill fear in your life. That can be put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes being led by his Spirit as a child of God. And so then that's the question, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it look like to be led by the Spirit? In Galatians 5, Paul gives us some instruction in verse 1 and verse 25. So we're going to read both. Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Right? Did you see this idea, this, this premise that if we can stand firm in the freedom that we have in Christ, we don't have to be burdened by the slavery of sin like we used to. I like to think of it this way. If, if Jesus set you free from your sin, it's like he unlocked the jail cell and you stepped out. But sometimes as you're going throughout your days, you look back at that jail cell and you're like, man, it's a really familiar place. Maybe I'll just go hang out there for a little bit. Right? So you go and you sit in your jail cell and the door's still wide open, right? Like you're not actually enslaved, but you're pretending basically that you're enslaved by just hanging out in that jail cell. And all it does is produce fear in your life and remove you from intimacy with God. 
But Paul says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, that's where our life comes from. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. That, that phrase, keep in step, is literally the word like to stride with, like to be in step with, like almost if you're a marching band, like you're gonna have the same strides. In other words, we have to know how the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives, what he's trying to teach us, what he's trying to show us about who we are, who God is, how he's wanting us to move in this kingdom. And it's when we're in tune with who he is that we get to live by the Spirit and not be controlled by fear anymore, but instead be controlled by the Spirit. So here, I'll put it this way. We know this. We don't do the works. The Spirit does the work. But we have to work with the Spirit. Right? If, we, if we really want to experience the freedom in Christ, if we want to experience the, the fullness of God, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us, the Spirit's going to do the work inside of us, but we've got to stay in step with him. Otherwise, we'll miss it. We'll miss out on what God has for us. And that doesn't ch- if we miss it, it doesn't change our standing with God, but it's just kind of a bummer that we're missing out on intimacy with our Father in heaven. We're missing out on this childlike relationship that we get to enjoy him as our dad and we get to live in freedom from sin and look forward to our inheritance that we get forever. So if we live by the Spirit, fear will no longer be what conquers you and assurance will be what anchors you. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore, Paul says. But because you're a child of God, you get to live by the power of the Spirit in freedom assured of your standing with God because of what Jesus did for you and because of the spirit inside of you. So no matter where you're at in this room, if you're in the realm of the flesh and you've just been beaten down by sin or maybe you're in the spirit, but, but man, you've just not been walking with the spirit day by day, we have an opportunity to come to God as a child, to say, Abba, Father, I love you. I receive your spirit. And I choose to walk by your spirit day by day, remembering what Jesus did for me, remembering that his blood has set me free from my own sins. And I get to live a life of assurance and freedom and hope because of what you've done for me. We get the opportunity to do that tonight. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you that he was the payment for our adoption that he was the sacrifice necessary to bring us into your family. Father, thank you that you didn't leave us hanging when Jesus ascended, God, but you actually brought your spirit to live inside of us, to equip us as believers to experience the fullness of God day by day on this earth as we long for eternity. Father, thank you that the spirit destroys the sin of our flesh. Father, thank you that the Spirit testifies that we are a child of God. Father, thank you that the Spirit guarantees our inheritance. Oh, how we look forward to that day, Father. May we walk by your Spirit in this room. May the lies of the enemy that try to keep us enslaved by our sin and to live in fear, may those be gone in the name of Jesus. And may we live as a child of God, free as your son and as your daughter, enjoying fellowship with you, Father. We love you, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus' name, amen.